I've learned how to set myself up for success. What that means is I learn how to reach out and ask for help. It is shocking where if you reach out and ask for help, even from your competitors, how beneficial it actually can become. Not only for you as an owner, but for your entire team and for your peers. Welcome to the Ronan Mindset Podcast. My name is Steve Didier, your host, and today we are talking to an absolutely amazing female entrepreneur out of Phoenix, Scottsdale area, founder and CEO of Elevated ER, Ms. Maibu. How are you? Hi, Steve. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time to come on. I know you've uh, had a lot of rain there in Phoenix and you've been busy lately. Yeah, so I keep canceling on you. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> all right. We finally right. made it. We're here today. We got it. We got it. And I'm still here in Vietnam with all Saigon skyline in the background. I don't know. Could you see it on here pretty good? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Love it. So let's let's talk about business you own elevated emergency restoration that is tell us about what that does and how you kind of got into that so elevated emergency restoration is basically an emergency restoration company so we handle properties damaged by flood fire mold and asbestos um I got into this quite a few years ago when I was working in the commercial real estate space and I was working for another company. Um, it only lasted for about a year and a half. And then I felt like we were no longer a good fit and I branched off and went off and started this company with my business partner. And um, we're going on four years October, so okay so the, the company that you were working for was it this you were doing the same type of work as you the are now exact same kind of work yeah so when I was there I was working on hands-on with a lot of the jobs that I brought in what I was doing there was I was actually doing business development and sales and okay every job that I landed I would always show up on site I kind of learned what the guys did and then I gained a lot of bit of knowledge. Um, I did a lot of research on the side and met up with a lot of peers and with a lot of mentors that actually own restoration companies in the Valley. And I knew that I was leaving this company. And um, so I quit Labor Day weekend. The following day, I actually started the process of creating elevated and we launched October 1st of 2019 so six months before COVID hit when everything was shut down oh wonderful yeah <laughs> and you you that type of business isn't something that benefited from COVID no no we <laughs> no. um no I uh I was actually scared shitless Steve I didn't know what I was gonna do I was living off of credit cards. I was living off of savings. Um, this type of business has a high overhead cost yeah. associated with it. 
um, not including the startup cost. And um, we bought all of our vehicles, all of our equipment. We had staff. So we had to try to be creative. And we noticed that um, companies who weren't even in the space were starting to perform COVID cleaning. Right. It was like carpet cleaners, window companies. I mean, you name it. Everybody started, you know. Kind like of pivot to take advantage yeah. of the market is offering. So I'm like, we specialize in this kind of thing. We handle a lot of hazardous waste. We're in the right fields. So that's what you do already. Yeah. So we're like, brilliant. Why don't we hop on this wagon and do the same thing? So then we started cleaning hospitals and we started cleaning doctors' offices and we started cleaning offices um, because at that time, um, a lot of office space were having people come once or twice a week. And so we had to stay relevant and I was heavily promoting it. And that's how I think we made it through COVID, but it brought in enough business to keep us afloat, but not really. So um, honestly, by the grace of God, we just made it through. And then I'm not sure if you recall, but the PPP, it was rolled out in 2020. Well, we didn't qualify for that because elevated launch in 2019. We didn't get our first official job until like at the end of 2019, towards the end of December. Um, it was when I landed a pretty decent sized job at a resort here. And so we had to prove that we had like payroll and we really did it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, there was just a lot of loans. There was just a lot of loans and we made it here. Um, so October, 2023 this year, it would be four years. So I made it. Oh, so you got an anniversary coming up, but you yeah. made it through. Yes. That had to be, that had to be stressful. It was, um, we had to lay off all of our employees. I was considering having to take up another, um, like another job. I actually wasn't paying myself. You know, like I mentioned, I lived off of credit cards. I was living off of my savings and I, um, I was just starting to sweat and I had just gone through a divorce at that time. I had just leased a condo in Arcadia. So, and I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But you know, it worked out with COVID. Obviously it's extenuating circumstances, but that that's kind of the the life of an entrepreneur in a nutshell anyway the high highs low lows and you know i can't tell you how many people i've spoken to that went through that phase at the well not, not necessarily covid related but just like oh my god i you know I'm, I'm living just money to money on credit cards taking out loans trying to keep everything afloat not taking a paycheck to get this business off the ground that that takes a, a a certain mindset to push through on that. So what was it that kept you going when all this was going on? What was it that kept you in the game? You know what, Steve, I started over so many times in my life. Um, I'm 37. Um, 
I've been on my own since I was 17. I've had two jobs for a lot of my life. I've had no money for a lot of my life. And so me living without money, it was just not a big deal. Um, because if you're someone who was raised in a family where money wasn't an issue and you went broke, you would have a hard time surviving. You wouldn't really know what to do. For me, right. Right. eating out, the not going out, the living off of ramen or just the cheapest food for a whole year and a half, it was just a short-term sacrifice. You know, um, I, I don't know. I guess I've been in worse situations before that like me eating the way I was eating and kind of living the way I was living, it just wasn't a big deal because when you're raised like that, I feel like you're emotionally stronger, you're mentally stronger, and so you're capable of actually handling the situation. So unlike a lot of friends of mine who were extremely, you know, blessed to have been raised in a family where they had both parents and they had shelter and food was never an issue. Money was never an issue. I mean, if anything like this ever happened to them, I think they would struggle. And the reality it's because they have always had a lifestyle and money was yeah. never an issue. So if they had to go the complete opposite way, I think a lot of people will struggle with that, you know? And for me, it, it wasn't a huge deal because in my head, I've already embedded that this is just a short-term sacrifice for long-term rewards. Honestly, I think that's a, a really profound insight because you're right. People who have been down and out, people who have lived really lean, very poor, it's not this terrifying thing. You're like, okay, I've been here. I can handle this. And you have that, that dream that you have that goal that you're pushing for. You're like, okay, this is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I've been uncomfortable before. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I know this, I can make it through and it's going to be, I'm going to get to that, you know, get that far reaching goal in front of you and something to push for. Right. I mean, I have been in line at, you know, St. Vincent de Paul, like waiting for food when I was a kid. I, if I were to go extremely hungry, I know I have friends. I know I have family. I know, but the way that I choose to live and eat, it was purely a choice and a sacrifice I knew that I had to make. So I'm not going to reach out for help. It's not because I have pride, but because I chose to go down this path. And so I knew if I was going to do that, regardless if it was COVID, regardless of anything, that it was going to be a sacrifice that I was willing to make because I knew that in order to achieve this goal of mine and this dream of mine and for, I mean, if you think about this business to thrive, you as an owner, like you have to make these sacrifices because without it, you can't be living like how you were, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, prior to this, I was doing sales and I was pulling quite a bit of money. So I had a lavish lifestyle. And then after starting this business, I didn't know I was going to start it in the way that I did. Um, so I wasn't really financially prepared, but I did it because I was like, well, I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to get another job because I can't. So I knew that I had to put all of my energy into this and it took a lot of sweat equity, a lot of money, a lot of time. And so, you know, you just got to do what you got to do at the end of the day. And some people, when they start businesses or when their business is funded by parents or whatever it is, they kind of have this huge booster, you know, that yeah. I did. And you got a safety net, you know, you got, yeah. you got the, you got the cushion, you got the booster, you can get a little thing, but you always know that eh, yeah, if it doesn't go well, I got, you know, I got a safety net. Yeah. So I didn't have that, you know, and here I am just paying off my credit card slowly, slowly, but surely. But, um, a lot of people may think that at this like stage in their business, um, I'm not exactly where I want to be, but you know what? Business is naturally generating. I don't have to heavily market as much anymore. Um, I have a lot more time and I'm just extremely grateful for that. So if it wasn't for all the sacrifices I've made in the last three and a half, almost four years, I probably wouldn't be here. And I've learned how to be a little more proud of myself before I'm like, gosh, this is hard. Oh my God. Like, when am I gonna, but you know, every time I look back and I'm like, I have a lot more time than I did last year for myself. You know, I am able to pay myself a higher salary. I can live a little more comfortably. You know, those trips that I've been taking, those are the trips I didn't take two years ago. So, well, one thing, one thing I noticed about you when I lived in the Phoenix area is you are a master networker. Yes. You are, you are out there. And I think that's kind of how we connect. Well, we connected through a friend, maybe it was, was it coach Q or like, I don't, I don't yeah. remember exactly uh -huh. how we got connected, but I, 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 you know, I would see you on Facebook or I'd see you out and you were just always on it, always working. You were always talking to people, always networking. And that is a, I mean, that was also crunch time. That was during, you know, 2020, 21. Yeah. So you were, you were in it, but that just, I was like, I really admired that because you were like always on it. I heavily market in the commercial real estate space. So 90% of my business come from CBRE, like those huge commercial real estate companies. And, um, right. you know, the online marketing is just not as beneficial. It's more for like PR, but if I'm going to market in the commercial real estate space, um, in our industry, we're known to be face to face. There's that old saying, your network is your network is your net worth. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really especially applicable to what you do because it's not you know so like with me and the the credit products that i sell that's just that's just marketing online it's getting exposure online 
but there are so many businesses I think that people just try and go the online route where really they need to be focusing on building those relationships. Yeah. Um, so in my industry, building relationships is extremely important. I am always hosting networking events. I am, I am always hosting client appreciation events. I am always knocking on doors, but, but it's not what you think when, you know, if I'm knocking on the, your door, Steve, and you own a commercial real estate space, I'm never going to sell you. What I'm going to do is walk in there with dessert. I'm going to walk in there with bagels. I'm going to walk in there with treats. And all I'm going to do is I'm, gonna, I'm just going to drop off my cards. And it probably takes three, four, five months. And then eventually the front desk girl, she's typically the gatekeeper. She's going to <laughs> she's going to remember you. She's going to be like, hey, my, it's so nice to see you again. Um, I actually gave your cards, you know, like to all of our property managers here. And we want to invite you in to do a lunch and learn. And, and then once I get in, I meet a property manager too. She'll email me and she'll say, oh my goodness, thank you so much for the treats. And then it's like my ticket in the door and I'm like, hey, I would love to meet for lunch, coffee, happy hour or anything. And we are known in our industry to take clients out to lunch and happy hours and all that stuff. And I have never once sold any clients on anything that I do. It's all about building relationships. And then after the first, second or third day, I'll probably say, hey, you know, there's a golf event coming soon. And would you like to play on my foursome? And then eventually a building will flood or like something will happen. And then I would be like the first on their mind. And that's how I actually get these opportunities. It's, it's, um, I'm never selling them on what I do because even though there's over 350 restoration companies in the Valley, there's probably only a good handful that actually heavily market in the commercial real estate space and do what I do. So, really? yeah. So in my mind, my competition is really only six or seven or eight other companies, but there is so much work to go around that like we're all competitors but we're all friends you know what i mean and so it's like healthy competition and so there's more than enough work to go around but it's all about building relationships at every networking event that i go to there's always one two or three other restoration companies there and we're all having fun we're all building relationships and like that's the best thing about it like the traditional way of picking up a phone and like trying to sell someone, it's just so terrible in my eye that I am a hundred percent not good at that. But if you're not sold on me after meeting me the second time or after meeting me the third time, then you know what? I'm probably going to stop pursuing you and I'm not going to take you out and do all these fun things because I would rather have fun with people that I truly enjoy being around with. So, yeah, I mean, building relationships is so much fun. It's how you bring business in. So, well, how do you how do you navigate? Because this is technically in the construction 
industry. Mm-hmm. I don't know too many company construction companies that are owned by women. Um, yeah, so I actually have my KB two, which is residential and small uh, and small commercial, and uh, so I actually have my dual license, and I do a lot of tenant improvement jobs as well. So it's not just the emergency stuff, you know. We actually restore every single building that we take apart. Um, and oh, okay. construction, it is so much fun. It's um, it is a little rough a lot of days. I was gonna say it's a male-dominated industry. It's a male-dominated industry, but sometimes you give them shit back. Sometimes you, sometimes you just, you know. There's a lot of guys out there that know a lot. There's a lot of guys that do not know a lot. And there's a lot of them that just want to punk you because you're a woman. Mm. So um, I think I just have the benefit of of owning it right. <laughs> and running the show. And a lot of times when I show up on site, some of the guys some of the subs have no idea that I'm the owner of the company and <laughs> they'll either be short, cut and dry with me or they will wonder who the fuck I am. And then after a short period of time, I'm like, who the fuck are you? And then, you know, I'll find out who they are, who they are. And I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, I hired you to be on my job site. So you need to shut the fuck up and walk yeah. down and do your shit, you know, and <laughs> you're, you know, you just have to give them shit back. And then at the end of the job, you kind of become friends with these guys and they're like, oh, my God, when we first met you, we're like, who the hell is this chick? Why is she telling us what to do? So <laughs> you just kind of sometimes have to set them straight. But I always do it in a very respectful manner like way you know so but sometimes there's a handful of them who are very rude who are very entitled who are very disrespectful and legitimately are on your job and like cussing you out and i won't even tell them who i am you know right until the very end <laughs> you got to have a backbone like a very thick spine um but oh yeah it's at first I was getting into this industry it was like that, but after so many years, subs know who you are, you know, people know who you are. And so it's not, I probably haven't experienced this in probably three years, Steve. So at first it, it was a huge issue. I can imagine, but you're tough. Like I, I, I you know, got to know you a little bit. You're tough. You don't take any shit. Like you can dish it out. And honestly, that's what you've got to do if you're going to be in business with guys, because that's how we treat each other. You do. I mean, it probably helps that I was raised in a family of seven older brothers and, and my father raised yeah. us. So I really, I am a very respectful person. I will always treat everyone with extreme kindness and sometimes overly kind where people think I'm fake. But um, but I also don't take shit from anyone. And right. you just learn that being in this industry. Like you have to stand your ground and 
you kind of have to know what you're talking about too, right? So yeah, well, um, you, if you're gonna get that respect, you better have the knowledge to back it up. Yeah, I mean, at first when I started, I was like, you're right, I don't know my shit, but you know what? I'm gonna learn from you, so teach me, you know. Um, and it's it's um because I was coachable and I was able to listen to understand. Um, I think that's exactly what got me here. So can't be in the construction industry if you just have, if you're a sensitive human being, because when you're on the job site, there are so many fuck bombs or so many F bombs tossed around. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's actually a really fun industry to be, get to be in. Yeah. It's, um, I actually don't feel like, I'm never going to work, Steve. I used to feel that way when I worked in a dental office for 10 years. And now I'm like, there are days when I just show up to a job site and I'm in a t-shirt and jeans. And there are days when I go to my networking events and I have to wear a suit and I have to dress extremely professional. And so, but it's kind of nice that I'm able to put myself in a place to where I can manage my time and work when I need to work and get to lead when I need to lead. So, well, that's ultimately with entrepreneurs. That's ultimately what we want is the lifestyle. And for many people, that means time freedom, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to you know do what you want, which is, what a lot of people find out when they start a business is that you end up working twice as much as you would at a normal job, making way less money, mm-hmm. but that's what we all work for. You know, obviously we want that lifestyle. We want that, we want the time freedom. We want the money. We want all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it's really cool to see, you know, especially you taking on a, a male dominated industry, not coming from a, a, any sort of wealthy background and rising up to become, you know, a very prominent player in that industry in Phoenix. I mean, that's that's something you should allow yourself a little pat on the back every now and then. Oh, I learned how to pat myself in the back probably right after COVID because I was like, fuck, how did I make it? But I realized had I not put in all the effort and hard work and sweat equity that I put in, I probably wouldn't have been here. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pat myself on the back because I run the whole show and I was not giving myself enough credit. And I was so hard on myself. And every day I would go home, I would always be mentally drained and sad and completely depressed. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to pay this next week? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? But you know what? I've learned how to be proud of myself and, and, it has been a journey, but it's been such a fun ride. And what you were saying just a second ago, I used to put in 80 hours a week, Steve. And, you know, there are days in the week where I don't have to put in as many, but it is so rewarding that if I don't have anything on my schedule tomorrow or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and something came up and a friend calls me and say, Hey, Let's plan a trip to San Diego. Well, you know what, Steve? I'm able to do that now. Um, two years ago, I was not. I was not. And so I've learned how to set myself up for success. And 
what that means is I learn how to reach out and ask for help. And it is shocking where if you reach out and ask for help, even from your competitors, how, how beneficial it actually can become not only for you as an owner, but for your entire team and for your peers. And so oftentimes I also team up with another restoration company. You know, if I'm on vacation, um, I have a lot of partnerships and we share the work, we share the labor and we do the job together. And so I've learned how to navigate that world and it's been pretty fun. You know, um, three years ago, I probably wouldn't have learned this. It's all part of your, your journey and, and growth as a, as a business owner and an entrepreneur, you learn these things, but you know, none of that wouldn't happen. I think the two key traits that I see in you are resiliency like that mental toughness, I think that's so key for people because a lot of people these days are very fragile. And it's when they're faced with adversity, they tend to fold. And people who, I think resiliency is a, is a huge character trait that is necessary for success in, in business. And the other thing that always keeps coming up with you and everybody else that I talk to is good old fashioned hard work. You go out there and you fucking bust your ass. And you put on the face, even if things aren't going well, because as we got to know each other a little bit more, I, you know, I understood you because, you know, we talked a couple of times, you're like, we both the business owners and you're like, wow. Yeah. It's like, fuck, this stuff's kicked my ass. It's like rough, you know, but all that stuff going on behind the scene, I'm sure I didn't even know a, a tenth of it, you know, all the stress and everything else that you were going through. You still put on your fucking game face every day and you went out there and you did the thing. You talked to people. You did the work, you hustled, you networked, you, you, you did everything that you need to do and you stacked those wins. You didn't fold, sit in the corner and be like, oh, woe is me, it's COVID or blah, 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 blah. No, you went out there and you did it. What other options do you have? Right, right. You know, like, <laughs> what other, like, how do businesses thrive? They don't thrive because you had a poor month or two or three or four and you sit back and you say, well, fuck, I haven't had a whole lot of business. Well, it takes you as an owner to drive that business in. So what are you willing to do? Like these are questions that you need to ask yourself. You know, it's not like it's a, um, it's a low startup company. It's a high, it's a high cost startup company. So, I mean, if you got to knock on doors, I did not want to do any residential jobs, but let me tell you something. I had to go and hand out like, I went on Fiverr and hired someone to make me flyers during COVID, like the door hangers. And I remember it was summer, it was June 109 outside, July, I was walking through my neighborhood, through Scottsdale, through all the neighborhoods that I actually wanted to do work in. And I was handing out door flyers, you know, knocking on doors. And it blew my mind because I was like, fuck. Like, I remember 
when I was seven or eight years old and we had a lady in the apartment complex we grew up in and she worked for the Arizona Republic and she would literally bring home trucks full like a rolled up newspaper and she would pay us like five dollars to work an entire Saturday like now I think about it, I'm like five dollars I'm like we were <laughs> hours for this lady you know yeah and we went and we knocked on doors we didn't throw them like the way that movies would show like we actually had to knock on doors in like hand so it brought me back like to when I was like seven or eight years old, handing out newspapers with my brother. And, um, and I was like, man, I, like the last time I did this, I was like seven or eight years old and here I am. But, um, I can honestly tell you, I handed out about 400 of those flyers until I got pretty tired of it. And I, think I ordered like 750 prints of them and I hand out about, 350, 400. So it, it means it meant I went door knocking on four, 400 different homes and I handed out the flyers and out of the 400 homes that I knocked on, I probably got about like 25 jobs out of it. So it helped me during COVID. And like some of those jobs were probably small and like other jobs were like actual, like my water heater busted and you know, I hear the first of my mind, I had your flyers. So I think a lot of that like really got me through some of the tough times and to bring it back to what you were saying. Yeah. I mean, as an owner, like you have to do whatever it takes. Like you can't just sit there and chill. Like I don't have a sales girl doing this for me. You know, um, we're talking about when the commercial real estate were closed, it was closed, you know, office spaces, like nobody was going into the office. So a lot of work I was getting, it was from these door knocking. So, I mean, you know, it's either you have the grit or you don't. And if you're going to start something like this, you better have a grit to do it. You know, like you better feel empowered. Like no one's going to empower you. Like no one's going to wake up one day and be like, doop. Here's all the power that you, you know, no, like you, you just have to wake up, know what you got to do. And you, and you just have to take care of your shit. I knew I started this business. I knew that I was going to have to do whatever it took. So, you know, I have a journal. It takes. Yeah. It's three months, six months, year, three year goal, five year goal. And so I was like, I can't get to six months if I don't complete my first three months of my goals, you know? And so. If you have to go on door knocking, that's what you have to do. I did something very similar to that because um, I'd had my real estate license for a while. This is back in 2000. And then uh, September 11th hit. Uh huh. And I was in Vegas. So I had like, oh, 13 escrows. I was, oh, whatever. Everything just stopped. Like Vegas, there was no tourism, no flying, no nothing. Everybody that, you know, my sphere of influence at the time was bartenders and cocktail waitresses and club promoters and things like that. So all of a sudden, none of them had any jobs because, you know, the casinos were basically shut down. And like I, I had I had been doing real estate for a while, but then everything, all my business evaporated. And what I did was I drove, I would take a road and I would drive. And every single lot that I saw that was vacant didn't have a real estate sign. 
I would I'd plot it out on a map. Whether it was residential, commercial. I, and I remember I was driving on Cheyenne and it was a lot after a lot and a lot. I'd do it until the day ran out and I'd map all these and then I'd go back to the office and I'd be up at night and I'd be going through and searching tax records and finding out getting the owner's contact information and cross-referencing with directories and mm-hmm. contacting these people and just, hey, I noticed you have a vacant lot. And, you know, I was wondering if you'd like to sell it or, you know, whatever. What are you doing with it? What are your plans with it? Are you looking to develop it? Or, you know, I might have some people with that. Or I have some buyers possibly for this type of real estate. And I, I just, I would just drive miles and miles and every day, map out on plot, you know, map out on a map. Okay, this highlight, this lot was vacant. Go back at the parcel number, do all the searches. I'd be up, I'd be at the office until like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, trying to find a hole. And then the next morning I'd be calling, calling, calling and drive. And, but yeah, you just do what you have to do because all my other business went away. Right. So, you know, starve, you know, whatever. It's got to do what you got to do. And you figure out a way to make it work. If you want it bad enough, you're going to figure out a way. There's always a way. It's whether or not you have the commitment to follow through with the goals that you have. So there's no blueprint on how to run a business there's really like there really isn't you know you just figure it out (laughs) you really do and um you know and if you're waiting for someone to come in and save you like no one's gonna save you you know you have a startup and your startup does not have a whole lot of value in it not until it's been pretty established i mean there's a saying out there, right, Steve? A lot of businesses really don't survive within the first five years. So um, I knew that coming in here. So, and, um, and I live under my means. I don't, you know, I'm not out there flaunting, you know, I just live a very peaceful life. Um, got the dogs and although if I was in Vietnam right now I would be like yes oh yeah you could you can floss it out of budget here man I know I'm like (laughs) hey that's the money that I would spend living back home in the U.S. I would feel like you know a queen there so oh yeah it's that's one thing I do like about the 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 type of business I have I'm not stuck in one place I'm not forced to be in one particular place and yeah like seriously balling on a budget here like i <laughs> like two thousand dollars a month i'm living like a king it's amazing and it's funny because so many people they see i'm going different places on social media yeah. facebook and like oh it must be nice to be rich like that i'm like you have no idea like take your, <laughs> your five thousand dollars that you have in your bank right now and come here i promise you mm-hmm. you'll oh. be living like you haven't lived before you know so i know i i'm kind of jealous because um i really can't take off any longer than like a week you know yeah unless i plan in advance but super advanced but in my industry it's like an emergency based service so yep i I mean i can get a call at 2 a.m i can get a call 1 a.m so and our has to be ready to go what are your what are your plans as far as growth for the business and you know obviously most 
most small business owners are looking to scale up so that they can kind of take themselves out of the equation at some point. Is that kind of the where, what do you, what's your outlook for your business, say five years down the road, 10 years down the road? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm actually looking to scale my business here in the next year or two. And I want, cause right now, um, I have a couple of employees and then I share an office space with my friend Omar and he's a general contractor too. So he has all of the water restoration certifications that I have as well. And, um, so we actually do jobs together as if we are one company. Does that make sense? Um, and then basically I just share my profits with him, but, um, having him and I together to work on Hugh's jobs has been like, it's almost like having a whole team again. So, but, um, it would be nice to have a full staff again, like prior to COVID when we first started, I had a whole entire staff. I had three, four transits and, and a huge box truck and, you know, we kind of had to get rid of a lot of the vehicles and we had to downsize everything and had to lay everybody off. But with the partnerships that I have, it's been pretty amazing. Um, and with the team that I do have in the last year, actually in the last two years, we've scaled. And um, so in five years, I would like to step aside and... Um, and my vision is to focus on things that is outside of restoration. You know, um, I actually want to get married and have kids. Um, and, and I actually want to keep this restoration company for another, I don't know, seven, eight to 10 years. And I want to get it already up and going um, where it can operate without me so I can step away and I want to do something else. I want to do a side project. So I have something in the works right now. I don't really want to talk too much about it. Um, it's because I'm in the planning and the development stage of it. And so I'm working with a lot of people to get it going, but, um, but you know, that's, is something that, I'm actually pursuing in like the next year, but overall, ideally, I want to get the restoration company up and going without me being present. So, um, and that way I have all the right people in the right places. And if this company is extremely profitable and it can operate on its own, then I might not even sell it. You know, it would just might be a place where a company I would just have for as long as I can. And then if I happen to get tired of it, somebody wants to buy it, then, and I'm in a position to do that, then I actually will. But in five years, I would most likely have started another business and have the restoration company running on its own. So, Got to have a plan. So what advice would you have for somebody who is looking to start a business and become an entrepreneur, who, 
and just didn't want to put entrepreneur on Instagram, but actually wanted to start a business and create something that was successful and scalable, especially if they were, you know, female entrepreneurs. Um, reach out to your peers, learn a lot about what you want to do, set short term goals, set long term goals and you know, you have to be mentally prepared to make short term sacrifices if you want to reap the long term benefit of having a business. Um, my only advice is just to reach out for help if you need help. Um, at first, I had a hard time doing that because I didn't really think people supported me. Um, and it actually really came down to self-confidence. So, and now that I know what I'm doing, if I ran across something that I didn't know, I do not hesitate. I do not, he I do not hesitate to call another restoration company that I'm friends with and say, hey, I have reached a problem and I need help. I need advice, you know? Um, it has been, it, it's been a journey and you just can't give up. Like a lot of people will lose hope, you know, after a few months of not seeing any, um, what's that word I'm trying to traction, but you just can't give up because if you've already spent all that time starting something, you got to keep going, do your research, you know? And, um, and honestly, like no one's going to be cheering you on more than you. So you have to be like your biggest support and fan and, um, and knowledge, 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 knowledge. And it could be knowledge in the field that you're starting your business in. It could be from reading, you know, um, pick up a handful of books and learn about your business like learn how you can scale it that's what i did and um and i don't know it's just i feel like if you have the mindset to start a business and you can't give up on yourself you just got to keep going there's always like there's always a way there's always a way to figure out something that you don't know so and save money. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, living, living within your means. Yeah. So live within your means. Exactly. I mean, I know so many people that own businesses and they're in their first two years and they've had great traction, a, a lot of revenue. I'm shocked. I'm like, Oh my God, like I should have started that. And mm -hmm. they're living like, like, They've owned the business for fucking 20 years. And let me tell you something. I've seen some months where they've had no business and they're like, oh my God, I don't know how to figure it out. I don't know. I'm going to pay my bills. If it, can I borrow money from you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm like, you didn't know how to manage your money when you had money. So therefore, if I give you money, it means that I'm bailing you out. If you went homeless, 
yes, I would help you, but you're not. So you're going to figure it out. And sometimes you have to learn the hard way. So live under your means and really be practical with the choices that you make. And like I said, just read, read and learn as much as you can about finances. And um, there's a lot of books out there, you know, so have a mentor. There's that old quote and it said, uh, says, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. And I think that's true because there's so much knowledge out there. And like you said, whether it's in your industry specific, leadership, sales, whatever it is, there is so much knowledge available to us right now. You can pick up a book and learn anything that you need to know to make your business successful. When I started this business, I had three business partners, you know, one of which I brought over from a previous restoration company. And when we parted ways, she was the one that held a general contractor's license. And I was like, fuck, I have 60 days to take and pass this test. And, and you know what? Uh, I did it. I did it. It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifices not to go out, a lot of studying, a lot of really really applying myself and and um it's like what they say if you want it really bad you would do whatever it takes and so my point is just don't give up on yourself just because you're going through a tough period i mean everybody go through everybody goes through it so i think that people have to really get clear on 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 what they want and, and, and really ask themselves a question, how bad do you want what you want? And what are you willing to do to get it? Exactly. Are you willing to eat ramen noodles? Are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to go door knock? Are you willing, yeah. you know, what are you willing to do to get what you want? Yeah. And again, I, I think it narrows down to what type of business that you're starting, but if you're starting something that has a low startup cost and you, you're able to still have a side job to support yourself, then, you know, maybe your goals are just slightly different. But if you are starting a business where it requires 100% of your time, you better be prepared to make sacrifices and then to do whatever it takes to pick the business up. So, it's all about mindset. Mindset is everything. And I'm a huge believer in, you know, you what you put out is what you receive. And that's pretty much true for everything in life. I agree. I agree. Well, we will end it on that note. I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy and it's amazing. We finally got together. What, third time's the charm? Yes. I'm so sorry about the last time too. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Especially since the, I think the first time you just had a, a rainstorm there, right? You had jobs that you needed to get done. We did. When we were scheduled, we had, I mean, this entire summer, it hasn't really rained here except for three days, but that one rain, it did a whole lot of damage. And I was so grateful for that because we needed that <laughs> business. And I was like, Steve, I'm so sorry, but I have to cancel tomorrow. Um, but it was actually all good. So, and I'm so happy to talk to you today.
it's really nice seeing you. I know it's been it's been a long time. So hopefully I'll make it back through Phoenix at some point. And well, if you do and you need a place to stay, I have this entire condo that I barely stay in. You're more than welcome to stay here. And I would be a good uh, host. I, I have no doubt about that. And uh, you still got your lifetime fitness membership? Yeah. I can, yeah, <laughs> you can come as a guest, you know, there we go. That's, that's, that's what I would need. Right Steve, there. Come back. Hurry up and move back. I, you know what? I don't know. I kind of like it here, but we'll see. We shall see. We shall see. You never know. Never know. I'm going to probably have to spend a couple months in the States each year, you know, tax season and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. We'll see. Well, anyways, <laughs> it is so great to talk to you. I hope you have an amazing sleep. Sleep, right? Sleep. Yeah, it's gonna be about that. Be about that. You know, it's 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 yeah, it's so funny because I I love doing this. Like I love doing the podcast. I love talking to people like you, like like minded people, and like it's so weird because I end up doing podcasts here because it's what about one o'clock in the morning. I'm so jazzed up from this conversation. I'm just like, oh, like I, I won't be able to sleep for an hour, hour and a half. I'll go have a beer or something. But you know, it's, it's it's funny. But that's another reason why I'm toying around with coming back, at least to the Western Hemisphere, because the time zones make it a lot easier. Um, let me ask you a quick question before we part ways. Um, so in Vietnam right now, are there people hanging out on the streets right now? Are they night owls? I'm pretty sure in certain areas. Okay. I I don't you know, I don't gravitate toward the nightlife. I'm sure in a city of 10 million people, I could find some if I wanted. But like for example, if I look down at the road in front of my condo here, yeah, um, it's it's pretty empty. You know, there's okay. okay. But this isn't you know, there's not like bars and clubs along this stretch you know this is more kind of residential high-rise condos and stuff yeah so from all the facetime videos that like i've done with my cousin like who you've gotten to meet there um they are like facetiming me and i'm like man like there's a lot of people out in the street right now like like it's late like how are you guys like up and then when i was in spain like there were so many people out in the street hanging out at 1 or 2 a.m., 3 a.m., just walking around, um, eating and having coffee. It was so cool. There in, like, that part of the world, it's, like, so unique here. We're in bed already at, like, you know, 9, 10, 11. Like, the streets are, unless you're in the district. Well, if, like, we're downtown Phoenix where I was at. Yeah. yeah you could... You could wander out at one o'clock in the morning. There's still going to be people wandering around. Yeah, yeah. So I don't certain, know. Like, certain areas, Vietnam, but... like kind of similar, where it's more of like a nightlife, not necessarily clubs or anything, you know. But you have your street vendors and food and all that stuff. People are rolling. Like, I love the night markets. That is, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I went went uh, with uh, tram. Uh, it's like the food out of control, out of control. It's amazing. I was like, I'm eating, I'm eating, and I'm like, oh, she's like, you, you, you want more? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes, I do, because <laughs> it's all small portions. I'm like, 
Come on. You're like, I'm a six foot <laughs> white man. Of course I eat a lot. Yeah. <laughs> of course I want more. I'm 6'3", 210 pounds. Yeah. I need food. Yeah. Like, bring this shit. Yeah. <laughs>